Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. and welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. This is episode 40. Uh, I'm Scott, and with me, of course, I have Matt Smith. Hey guys, how you doing? What's going on? And uh, today we are talking about the Sylvester McCoy 7th Doctor story, Battlefield. I'm really excited to be talking about this, because oh, yeah. uh, I love this. This was great. Um, but before <laughs> we get was. to it, uh, I do want to remind everybody that we're from the website GeekShowEntertainment.com, where we like geeky stuff, and occasionally we talk about geeky stuff like Doctor Who on podcasts, like this one. Geek Show Entertainment is a podcast network that has new episodes released every week for shows that include uh, The Doctor's Companion, as well as Geekin, our regular uh, entertainment news and discussion podcast, which is quickly approaching episode 150. Um, Have You Met Ted, our How I Met Your Mother podcast, uh, Queen Witch, uh, which is a patio book uh, written and read by author uh, Nick Jimenez, A Couple of Geeks, which is a uh, kind of a geeky topic discussion podcast with um, a married couple, Angela and Billy. They talk about a topic each week. And uh, Movie Night at Geek Show, which is a uh, movie of the week podcast uh, where we just we there's three of us, uh, myself, John Pavlich and Nick Jimenez. We get together. um, We each pick a movie and we review it week by week. This week, we're going to be discussing Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which should be a phenomenal episode. Now I have a now I have a reason to go watch that because I've been putting it off for years. Sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that that should be a phenomenal episode. Um, and, uh, yeah, and you can listen to those podcasts by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, you can go to the website and join our community by commenting on episodes or articles that we regularly post on the site. I've been posting lots of articles and things. Uh, this week we had tons of traffic to the site and, uh, and lots of comments and things. So uh, join in on the fun and go to the website and uh, comment and, and talk to us and tell us uh, if you like the show and you're listening and what you think of things that we're saying and doing and Tell us we suck if you want. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah, we're, we're, we'll take anything you can throw at us. Bring it, yeah. bring it on. Bring it on. And, and speaking of which, if you've listened to any of our shows and you like what you hear, even if you don't and you want to tell us we suck, help us out by leaving an iTunes review because iTunes reviews are the best way for people to find our shows and decide if they might be worth listening to. Uh, you can also let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. And let me put it this way. I've looked at the numbers for this show and all of our other shows. There's um, quite a few of you. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Quite a few of you who I know are just, you know, stalking the, the, the podcasts. As, you know, you're just listening and you're not giving anything back. We don't ask you to, to pay for any of this. We don't want you to... To, to open your wallets to us. We just want to o- want you to open your hearts. <laughs> yeah. Open your hearts and come to the website and be, be, be our friends. That's all. We want to get to know our listeners. So come to the website, geekshowentertainment.com. I'm really nice in person <laughs> or online. 
Also online. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. So just go to the website and talk to us, and we, we will talk back. So yeah. I'm on the there website was, all the time. There was a really great. There was a really great uh, comment on the thread uh, for last week's show that was a a, a really great um, uh, action figure of Syl and Perry, and and I think I had the same reaction as you did when I went what? Yeah. <laughs> I saw really that great, and I was really and I just fun. thought I was like, what kid would want that? Other than maybe like some kid that that thinks it's like Jabba's son or something. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. J- Jabba's little Damien. If you read comics, like that's basically who he is, and not even in a cool way. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, go to the website and, and check out what we're saying, and and stop just being a passive listener. We want you to get active. Yeah, be excited. All right, guys. Uh, that brings us to the background and significance of Battlefield. Take it away, Matt. Okay, well, Battlefield comes from uh, Sylvester McCoy. He was the seventh Doctor. This is his third and final season as the Doctor. Um, and and you can ri- tell because he's like he's in it, man. Yeah, like yeah, he's he. I, you're watching this, and I'm, I was kind of taken aback at how good he is. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because I don't know how much McCoy you've seen. I know you've seen only Time in the Ronnie, maybe. Um, but actually, his... that's the, I've seen Time in the Ronnie, and uh, I've seen the movie. Oh wow! Okay, so, so this was like... only this was only my second real mm-hmm. Sylvester McCoy story because <laughs> the movie doesn't count for much of right. anything. Well, because um, what does he have like five lines of dialogue in that? Maybe, maybe he gets yeah, gunned maybe. down by Asian gangbangers. That's all that really happens <laughs> in the movie, um, which never ceases to make me laugh. But we'll yeah. talk about that next week. Yeah, uh, next week. right now let's talk about Battlefield. Um, well, I, yeah, McCoy is a really interesting doctor. Um, he comes after Colin Baker. Um, and Jonathan Nathan Turner is still producer, but they got rid of Eric Sayward, thank God, and they replaced him with this guy named Andrew Cartmel, who is a um, who is an up and coming, really really young writer actually. Um, he was going to be the script editor, and um, not counting the first season, McCoy is a really interesting doctor because he has a. Um, there's not really been a take like McCoy ever. Uh, McCoy, they they come at him saying the Doctor, after you know twenty something years of continuity, has become too. They they he really lacks the mystery and the intrigue that he had in the first you know while. Um, and now all the answers have been made, so let's create something new. Let's make the Doctor more mysterious. So they make him this really um, not. It's he's a little bit darker. He's much more of a. Um, like a, a chess player, like I know people describe him as the intergalactic chess player. So he's he's got a lot of balls in the air and he's always juggling them and he's got this plan. And McCoy, uh, whenever I think of him, I always think of him as a man with a plan. And whenever he has a plan, that's his best. Um, I actually had some people tell me that uh, in this chat room I visit uh, on Gallifrey Base, which is a pretty cool chat room. Um, but they uh, they mentioned that and I thought that's really true. And Battlefield um, comes after. Uh, not counting McCoy's first season, but starting with his second season in Remembrance of the Daleks, McCoy takes on this very, like, everything that he's doing goes towards this larger plan, and you can kind of see that in this, um, because the Do- like, this is a little bit of a different twist on that, um, for the best twist, you have to go to either Remembrance of the Daleks or Ghostlight, but, uh, the basic twist of McCoy is that he's got this great companion named Ace, um, for the second two seasons of his run, who's phenomenal, um, mm-hmm. and he just goes around... As opposed around... to that curly-haired red redheaded oh Mel I love Mel I'm actually I a didn't. huge Mel fan I yeah <laughs> well there there's very little that you're not a huge fan of let's be honest yeah but Mel's good Mel's Mel's <laughs> unfairly treated Mel, Mel's a lot, in a lot of ways like Adric people just don't understand like Mel besides if you're watching time in the Ronnie you can't 
you can't watch Time in the Ronnie and say, oh, that's Mel, and I don't not like her because she's awful in that, but everything about that story is really bad. Um, okay. But uh, McCoy's uh, companion for this is Ace, and what Cartmel brings to the table that I think is really phenomenal is Cartmel brings this idea of a large overarching story. There's something that um, has been called in fan circles the Cartmel Master Plan, uh, which he uh, uses to... Um, basically provide a blueprint for where he's going in the story of the seventh doctor and his relationship with ace uh this is much more of a seventh doctor story than it is an ace story um so but you can tell that like it's all leading to somewhere and they never really got to play it out because the show was canceled shortly after this uh the plan the plan was that he was training her to become a time lord right yes that was that was the plan and it was actually supposed to be revealed in the next season which is really depressing (laughs) If they had only gone one more season, they would have made it. Um, but there's also a bunch of other little weird things to the plan. Like, he was one of the three founders of Gallifrey, the other two being um, Rassilon and Omega. Uh, like, it, it's it's really interesting. If you want to go look up and, and see what could have been, uh, the Cartmel Master Plan is really great. And I know that Big Finish right now is rearing up to release some, the, the next season of McCoy as they were supposed to. Like, they, they have the original scripts and the writers that they're bringing in. Yeah, so I'm actually really excited and looking forward to those including the story that was supposed to be the final ace story uh, which includes the doctor showing up at gallifrey with ace which is pretty epic um i know i I really want those um so i want i want those now i know they're really great um but but the the uh, ben aronovich he's this uh he's the writer of the story um and he came in uh really and wrote this story on spec um which means that he just came in and basically submitted an idea uh, pro bono, apropos of nothing, and then they he, he didn't write this one on spec. He wrote a different episode on spec, and they liked it so much they they said we want to do an Arthurian story. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, I don't know anything about Arthurian stories, but okay. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, starving writers, they'll do anything. Um, yeah. <laughs> story of my life. Um, but this isn't actually his first Doctor Who story. He also did uh, Remembrance of the Daleks, which many people consider to be not just one of the best McCoy stories, but one of the best all-time stories. Uh, I have issues with it, but, you know, we can talk about that later. We'll which is funny because you have issues with that one, but he has issues with this one. Yeah, which That's... is which is you know I mean well I have issues with this one too they're much more minor though I think oh. remembrance remembrance has this problem where it's really good for like three episodes and then the fourth episode is really rough for me because um, mm-hmm. it makes a lot of really weird choices um, but this this to me I think is a bit stronger it's got a much more uh, interesting take on the Seventh Doctor, and it's not, you know, it's not an Ace story. A lot of the other story, half of the other stories, well, actually, every other story in this season is a lot more Ace based. Like Curse of Fenric is nothing but an Ace story, and Ghost Light is a really great melding of um, telling a compelling Ace story and telling a compelling Seventh Doctor story. Um, so that's that. But this is um, this is really a, a McCoy story, and it's based on Arthurian legend, which I uh, we alluded to last week, but I didn't tell you, and uh, pleasantly surprised. Maybe? Yes, very. <laughs> really great stuff, personally. Yeah, this uh, this was awesome. I had heard that, um, you know, that uh, the Doctor was supposedly Merlin, or mm-hmm. it was strongly hinted that that was him in a future life. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but I didn't know what story that was from, so yeah. very nice surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that as we go through it. So that's that's sure. basically where we're coming from with this story. Um, I really, I'm a huge McCoy fan. I think he's really great. Um, and yeah, I think he might best. be. I, like, I want to see a couple more, uh, a couple of more uh, stories with him. But I think he might be my second favorite classic Doctor. Mm-hmm. I can um, get behind if, that. If if for nothing else, he, he sort of feels like. Uh, 
he kind of feels out of place in the classic series just because he doesn't play the role quite like any of the other mm-hmm. uh, doctors. And, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's, it almost feels like he's too good to be mm-hmm. doing what he's doing. You know, mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know. Well, he's no, he's really, he's really, really excellent, and he's one of those people who, like, if you ever read those articles that say, okay, I want to start with classic Doctor Who, where should I start? Um, they always tell you, I know, I know, I've read a bunch of articles that are like, look, do the Seventh Doctor, miss his first season, but look at like Seventh Doctor Ace, especially, is just really, really excellent stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So there you go, it's really yeah. cool. All right, uh, so before we get into our commentary, uh, I just want to. Remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. And this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our book of the month, Lock and Key Volume 1, Welcome to Lovecraft, by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. And this book is available for only thirteen ninety nine, or 30% off the suggested retail price of nineteen ninety nine. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. Um, all right, so jumping into uh, part one, the Brigadier is back, and he's fancier than ever. Yeah, and he's he's great. He's look he's turned into something of a horticulturist in his in his later years. He's um, he's a man of leisure. Yeah, it's it's really he's taken some time off. He's retired from unit, and he's living with his wife Doris. Um, which I could talk about Doris, but I shall not. Um, um, but he's he's basically got a home life, and he's and he's a horticulturist, and we basically start with this really nice opener from him. Um, and, and then we cut to this, to this sword, which I think is really interesting because if you just watch the sword, you're just like, this is a really weird non sequitur image. Uh, and the sword starts glowing and it calls out to someone who basically falls from the sky and crash lands in like a, uh, you know, like a dirt pile somewhere, which is a little weird. Um, <laughs> and they rise and it's a soldier. Um, so, so we basically have a sword calling out to a soldier who stands and basically hangs out. Um. And then we cut to uh, the Doctor and Ace who get this call from across time, which we discover is the, the sword. Um, and, and the Doctor says something really interesting, which I think is um, a really nice twist, because um, we, we already spoiled that it's Arthurian legend that they're playing with here. But the, the Doctor says, this call isn't coming from the past or the future, it's coming from uh, another present. So basically like a sideways parallel universe, which I think is really cool. Um, hmm. I don't know if you caught that. It was it was something I, I caught this time. Um, but oh, yeah, I didn't catch that. But I, I like I heard what he was saying, but I don't think I comprehended it really. Mm-hmm. Um, one mm-hmm. of those things. But yeah, it's interesting. Well, what what's what's the deal with Ace calling Doctor Professor? I don't know. I just think it's one of those really cool things that. Oh, you haven't even seen an Ace story before. Oh, this is great. No. Oh wow. Yeah. No, that's her. That's her little call sign. Um, she always calls the Doctor Professor. That's her. That's her little. Uh, term of endearment towards him. So, like, every time you see him, she always calls him Professor, which is, I don't huh. know, I just think it's this really cute sort of quirk that she has, which is really kind of cool. Um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so, so and I, and the first McCoy story I saw was Ghost Light, which has a really great first scene with the Doctor and Ace, and the Doctor calls her Professor. I was like, what? He ain't no Professor. And then I, you realize that it's just, like, that's what she calls him. That's her nickname for him. Um, hmm. And they have, again, the Doctor-Ace relationship in this is it's really strong. Of all the companion Doctor relationships, for me, I think Ace and the Doctor is the strongest, um, at, at least from the classic series. Because I could see that, definitely. They're, they're so dialed in to what's going on. 
going on. And like every time that the doctor says, hello, I'm the doctor and this is my friend Ace, like it's just their, their dynamic and their chemistry just works really, really well together, especially mm-hmm. as you go through it. This isn't the best example of that. Um, we'll get better examples like Ghostlight, um, I think, is just brilliant. Like it's just so, 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 so good um, because basically the doctor takes her to this place and psychologically tortures her for like, you know, an hour and a half, which is just amazing. Uh, spoilers. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, um, but so yeah, they they arrive on at the side of the road, um, and they and they um, the TARDIS is really blue in this. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what that is. I think it's because they couldn't afford a new TARDIS, or maybe they were just like, let's be as blue as possible. Um, yeah, it looks like they took out like a, like spray paint and just. Yeah. spray painted it with the brightest blue they could find. Yeah, it's a real neon blue and it threw me off because I'd forgotten how blue it is. Um I don't even know yeah. if it's blue in other stories in this season. I don't even remember, but it's it's it it yeah, it definitely threw me off as well. Like I, th- yeah. I thought it was really weird. But they they get out of the TARDIS and they 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 see this convoy come by and they see this 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 Jeep uh driven by this um this woman who we eventually find out is a brigadier of unit. Um, I'll have a name for her in a minute. Um, and, and so they hitchhike, and the, the the woman just drives right by, and they're just like, "Well, thanks for that." But this, I love that the doctor is like by. posing in the road too. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like like Ace is is left to to actually do the the thumbing, mm-hmm. whereas the doctor is just like, "No, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lean all cool and pose with my umbrella." Yeah, well, that's a McCoy thing. He really loves to pose. Yeah, like, yeah, and he it makes him look even more like the Riddler than, yeah. than he does mm-hmm. um just just being there with all the question marks and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The... Which which I guess I should bring up um you know, let's get this stuff out of the way in part 1. Uh his costume, I think I really love it if it weren't for the question marks, the useless scarf that you can barely see most of the time because it's mm-hmm. like under the his lapels. Mm-hmm. Um and then the pockets filled with junk. Like if it wasn't for those three things, like I think this would be my favorite Doctor outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't it's, know. I just like I like the way it looks. It's a. It, I I really think it's a really good look. It has that sort of it, it. If if you take it from like the mysterious quality that they're trying to give him, it does have that really sort of like ominous, dark, sort of subdued thing. Especially coming off of someone like Colin Baker and Peter Davison before that, it's a very ominous sort of costume. Mm-hmm. You know? And it would be more so if it wasn't for the stupid question marks. Yeah, which, yeah. which is why I love his costume in the movie so much. Yeah, it's a it's a good that one's a really good because it's a it's like a red pullover sweater. Um, uh-huh. I guess it's a pullover. Um, but he has this he has this sweater that's literally nothing but question marks, and you can just tell that Nathan Turner in this era doesn't really have a huge like. I don't see this as much Nathan Turner as in an era as I do like Cartmel. Like Nathan Turner by this point was really just like just trying to keep the show alive without actually trying to make it as Nathan Turnery as possible. So that's like the one big thing that I always see when I'm watching this, where I just see that he's just got all those question marks and it's just like, you took the thing that was, you know, subtle, but passable, like in, in, in uh, the last season of Tom Baker and Davison and, and Colin Baker, um, where like, you just had just the question mark, not really any overstatement, but he just took it and went completely full bore with it, which is, you know, it's the tractor, um, but yeah, it doesn't help his costume at all, which is a shame because it's a really mm-hmm. sweet costume. It really is. It really um, is. So the Doctor and Ace get in this archae- get in the car with this archaeologist, and he drives them to this um, to this battlefield, and they arrive, and the Doctor realizes that um, they're the the people who are the soldiers the soldiers and army who are at this at this like archaeological dig battlefield site um, 
our unit. So he pulls <laughs> he pulls out this um these these ID cards and he's like these are this is mine and this is yours. And, and Ace takes hers and says, "Who's Liz Shaw?" Which I think is just really subtle, nice callback. Um, yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, um, and that's the thing that I think works really well, especially in the McCoy era, is that uh, Nathan Turner. One of his problems is that he's constantly calling back to stuff, but here it's just subtle like if you if you catch it you'll understand it and if not you don't it doesn't it doesn't burden you at all you know right i also want to point out that the uh, the guy that they get the uh the ride from i think i might have gotten in the car and then gotten right back out again because <laughs> this guy shakes hands for an uncomfortably long period of time yeah. he's like he's he's gauging is what he is like, yeah, he just he just he just kept shaking the doctor's hand like he just would not let go. I'm like I, I mean, it was it was a solid ten seconds. Yeah, which, which is, is an eternity yeah. for something like that. Not even Jack Donaghy would go for a ten second handshake. Let's be honest. No, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> this was that. I was just like, wow, this guy's wow. He's, and something else helpful. I noticed too. When what? Oh, go ahead. What oh, I was say? Just saying he's helpful. And, yeah, <laughs> he just wants um, to get to know you really well. Another thing that I noticed when the doctor started like bumbling around at uh, the unit base or where whatever that the camp, wherever they were the, the camp, camp yeah, yeah. Um, he uh, Sylvester McCoy reminds me so much of a Hobbit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it it really feels like the doctor regenerated into a Hobbit. Like, <laughs> I really like. <laughs> I just, you know, I just when they were talking about beer, I just, I, I just wanted him to be like, they make it in pints. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's like, what's that? It's a pint. And then they, the guy's like, well, I got this, you know. <laughs> That's the only part I remember from that movie. Anyway, uh, anyway, but, but yeah, it's just he just he reminds me so much of a Hobbit. It's which is funny. which is ironic because he's not going to be a Hobbit. He's going I know to be he's in the Hobbit. He's not going to play a Hobbit. He's going to play a. a brown wizard and it's yeah. just like what wait a minute seriously yeah this is an odd choice odd choice um yeah yeah um so so they they quickly integrate into unit um and the doctor name drops like he does he does one of those really great callbacks where he's like he's like before because the the brigadier who i'm gonna call the imposter brigadier because there's only one brigadier um the imposter brigadier basically says well you these are outdated credentials and the doctor's like oh yeah well yeti dalek cybermen autons Salarians. Salarians. <laughs> it's really, it's really great because he just like starts name dropping like everything he can think of, and they're just like, I don't know. And then this random unit guy who's like, who's like, yeah, I know the doctor, and it's just like, why, why should, why didn't you speak up like a minute ago? That's really... yeah. He seems, he also seems like way too young to remember the doctor from like twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I... yeah. I think he regenerated. I think he's a time lord. Let's just, let's <laughs> yeah. just start that rumor. If it doesn't make it's sense, the master. he's the master. He's the master. Yeah, that, that's the master. The master regenerated after Anley, Anley before he got killed by the Daleks. Spoilers for next week. Um, so so <laughs> they um they go to this. They they then randomly decide to leave the unit camp and go to this bar. And at the bar, uh, or it's not really a bar. It's like a pub slash hotel slash bed breakfast thing place slash um, brewery. Yeah, slash brewery where they make their own ale, which they also call Arthur's Ale. And it's all it, like again, I I'm amazed at how much I didn't catch all these things the first time. But like, because if you're looking for them, they're just there. But like every time they mention, like like they call they say that this battlefield is near Lake uh, Lake Vortigan, I think Vortigan Vortison Vortigan, I think, uh, which is uh, called the Lake of the High King, which again references Arthur. Um, 
and it's just all these little things that they're kind of weaving together so that it's not, you know, a huge surprise when it shows up. Um, it's 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 really really well done on Aronovich, I guess, his part as they're going through it, which is kind of neat. Um, so yeah, there's there's the King Arthur bit. Um, and they find they find this scabbard on the wall, which which is weird. Um, they're just like it's a scabbard, and the doctor touches it, and he's like, that's really cold, and um, they. They um, and and he's like, that's that's really weird. Where did you find it? And they're like, by the battlefield. And he's like, hmm. Uh, while this is going on, we get the first of many of these um these great soldier fights, which are just laced with like '80s awful action choreography sequences, <laughs> including the impossible. Although there's one there's one action sequence that we'll get to in uh in part two that I'm I'm a huge fan of. Yeah yeah so. yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, there's, there's this part where um the imposter brigadier shows up and they and she finds the TARDIS, but there's these two factions of soldiers who are basically firing rifles at each other, and she's caught in the crossfire. Um, and we get um the, this firefight between them and the and the imposter brigadier. And she's not really evil. I just like calling her the imposter brigadier because there's only one brigadier, just so we're all clear and not thinking, oh, she's the bad guy. She's not the bad guy. I just wanted to point that out. Um. <laughs> her name's Winifred. Let's be honest. Her name's Winifred. So, Imposter Brigadier is a much cooler name than Winifred. Um, Why did they keep making a big deal about her name too? Like every time someone would find out that her name was Winifred, they'd be like Winifred. Like it was this huge deal. Well, she's like she's like kind of butch looking, so it's like really weird when when they're like, you have a name like Winifred, which you know it's not the. I'm gonna be honest, it's not my favorite of names, but you know it works. There was a great character named on Angel named Fred who was great. Um, mm-hmm. So so there's there's that um but, but yeah I, yeah i don't know i don't know what that is i think it's really but you're right it's really funny when everyone's just like winifred that's not yeah, like, like every and then she's always just like she always has this expression on her face like yeah winifred what of it you want to fight <laughs> like, yeah she's she's like ready to pick a fight with anyone who doesn't like yeah her. well she's just she's that generic military character mm-hmm. in in everything and doctor who is like extremely guilty of this character the the military character that is stubborn and fights first and asks questions second like oh yeah oh yeah that, it's all over the place. that character is in so many episodes of doctor who i'd say half like yeah. i'd honestly say about half yeah um, just like just like you could uh you could say the doctor appears in in the middle of a civil war that's that's probably half of doctor who as well if you especially after you um bring in the uh, tom baker era oh, yeah. which is like every other episode is that mm-hmm. and um, this and even this story which is just a giant well it's kind of like a civil war sort of it's, yeah yeah it's like it's the doctor caught between two different factions uh the mm-hmm. first <laughs> represented and led by only one person which is Anselin, and the other the more gain the more gain of the phase uh, people, um, but yeah, you're you're right. Which is also funny because Remembrance of the Daleks is the story about two Dalek factions warring in 1960s London, which is kind of cool. Um, but it's funny that Aronovich came in and did basically the same-ish sort of story <laughs> two times. Um, mm-hmm. I just I just thought that was really funny. Um, well, him and him and every other classic Doctor Who writer. So yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> which is why it's so funny that that uh, classic. Uh, who fans have such a big problem with the with the doctor's daughter, which is mm-hmm. essential. I mean, it it is a classic story in every sense. Oh yeah, every single sense. Every single sense. It's mm-hmm. so funny that they have the hugest problem with that episode. Like I remember reading a blog from from a guy that like 
hates the new series because mm-hmm. it's not like the classic show. And he's and he actually touted uh, the Doctor's daughter as the episode to uh, as like it was like his proof that the show was everything that the classic show wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, people, people. That's the problem with not speaking to anyone who's out there listening in general, but like, that's the problem with people is like you, 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 you go in looking for what you want to find. And if you go with that mentality, you're not going to see what you want. And that's why people, you know, won't like Colin Baker because they'll go in and just say, oh, he's a really angry, evil, mean, vindictive doctor. When really he's not. He's just in really poor situations and poor writing. Like, mm-hmm. or, or people who go into Davison thinking, I want Colin, I want Tom Baker, and they come out and Davison is anything but Tom Baker. Um, so, yeah, it's it's some fandom problem. But you're absolutely right in that this Civil War thing happens so much. But, I, you know, there's only so much <laughs> stories you can do in Doctor Who, and I don't really mind as so, so long as it's done really well, as it is done here. Um, uh-huh. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So while this is going on, the Brigadier gets a call from uh, Geneva, and he's just like, I don't want to hear... Or he, he gets a phone call, and he's just like, I retired Doris. I don't want to hear about this. And she's like, she's like, it's about the Doctor. And, and he goes, alright, let me do this. And I think it's really cool that, like, he, 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 hear, he, like, he will not go to Geneva. He won't do any of this. He won't do any of that. And then he hears that it's the Doctor, and then all of a sudden he's like, I've got this. And it's just a really great sort of Brigadier character moment that the only thing that can bring him out of retirement is the Doctor, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it almost seems less like, um, oh, if the Doctor's involved, there, there's there's trouble to be had, and they're going to need my help. It's, it's more like... Oh, my old friend. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want to hang out with him again because mm-hmm. I don't get the chance very often, so I might as well take it while I got it. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really great sort of character thing where you can tell that he doesn't, he doesn't care about the situation. He just really cares about the doctor, which is, uh-huh. which is really, it's really nice. And it's one of those things where, like, I don't know. Personally, I'm really bummed that they haven't had the Brigadier at least come in for a cameo for the new series because, like, he's like he's actually one of those doctors who's met actually regardless of medium if you completely say every medium that's ever been that has actors meeting um so like between this and audio plays the the um the brigadier has actually met every single doctor maybe not as the brigadier because he's in a as he meets well he meets every doctor in the five doctors and then he has an adventure uh here with the seventh doctor in an audio play he meets the sixth and the eighth doctors um so really all he's missing is the new stuff and like he showed up in sarah jane adventures like he well he met the sixth doctor in the two doctors didn't he uh no, he's not actually in the two doctors. Which is oh, he's not. Yeah, I know. Huge bummer. Huh? Yeah, weird. Depressing. He, he would have made like that better though. Thing. That would have made it better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the two doctors is kind of a mess. Um, not even that bad. Sorry, that's a, that's a totally different discussion. <laughs> <laughs> but he so he gets in his he gets back in his brigadier outfit, which is just awesome. Like it's just great to see the brigadier in costume again, especially because like he hasn't really shown up since season twenty, and this is season twenty six, so he's been gone for like six years. So it's a really great sort of callback. Um, mm-hmm. When the, is this supposed to be taking place? I know it's like slightly in the future, like to the future to nineteen eighty nine. Um, is it I'd, like sometime in the nineties? Is that what uh, it's supposed to be? In the in, when they're in the TARDIS at the beginning, uh, the Doctor says to Ace that this uh, the call, the distress beacon that he got from the sword, comes from three years in her future, and I think Ace is like nineteen eighty seven ish. So like really, this is like nineteen ninety ish. So oh, it's like okay, late 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 eighties ish, sort of in there. Okay, 
Okay, so right about where it was coming yeah, out. So. They they okay. they tried to keep it as close to modern as they could. Um, okay. It's when it's when you get into like the unit dating controversy, which no one should ever be arguing about anymore ever. Um, uh, that you get into really rough problems. Um, but I think this is like late '80s, sort of around there. Um, okay. So he's in costume and he pulls open this. He has this briefcase, and then, I don't know if you noticed the briefcase has like his monogram on it. It has like it says uh, A uh, G L S, which is his initials, Alistair Gordon Lethbridge Stewart. So like, his initials are on this briefcase, and in the briefcase is a gun with bullets. And I'm just like, this is why the Brigadier rules because he's super classy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so thought... Like you can just see him challenge someone to a duel. With oh yeah, and winning like hardcore winning, like just oh boss. yeah, yeah, because he's the man. He's the <laughs> fracking brigadier man. Um, so but he gets so he gets in helicopter and heads off to go to go uh, experience the magic of this place. Um, and then we get this really f- fantastic scene where you have like these these like knights in armor and stuff like throwing grenades, and this grenade lands near this one knight, and he gets flown back, which is awesome. Like I I. Uh, him getting thrown back is just so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he like he basically like you can almost see the wires as he's kind of lifted up and then lifted back a little bit, <laughs> and then he crash lands into the brewery right by this this hotel place. Um, yeah, I, it, that was like that had to have been a really powerful bomb. Yeah, that it was not only a really powerful bomb, but he he has like an awesome suit of armor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was like it was a perfect storm of just you know being able to blast someone backwards. It was just yeah. everything. It was like for for a yeah. split second, Doctor Who turned into a cartoon. Yeah, well, like a like a, like an Avery cartoon. Yeah. Like it yeah. Was... <laughs> Oh, now I want to go watch some. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so the doctor and Ace and this random Asian chick—I don't remember her name. She's not really that important. Uh, no, because she just disappears after her hug. Yeah, with, it's it's weird. She's with Ace. Like, yeah, it's very strange. Um, she, she, um, she. They they all hear about this this crash that happens um, in the brewery right next to this hotel. And the um, and they run in and they pull off the night and they see the night and the night managed to survive this really concussive force blast like really concussive um, and they manage to uh, pull off his his helmet and he looks at the doctor and he says Merlin and the doctor's like WTF and. <laughs> And it's just like it's just such a great sort of moment where you're just like really thrown for a minute, you know. Is this the first time that there was ever something kind of timey wimey going on uh, with the series? No, there was actually a story actually with the Brigadier called uh, Modern Undead, which is really timey wimey. Um, if you wanna if you wanna use the term, um, which is a really great time travel story. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I suppose too. There's the thing with the. The possibility that the that the prosecutor in Trial of Time Lords is the Doctor in the future and yeah, yeah, he's yeah. prosecuting himself. I mm-hmm, guess mm-hmm. That, that there's that rumor too. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, never yeah, mind. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not the first time, but it's really cool because like we find out very quickly that the Doctor doesn't know what's going on because it hasn't happened to him yet. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, the the imposter brigadier runs in and and she goes and she goes hey what's going on and the guy's like Merlin you're here and and he introduces himself as Anselin a knight um which is you know really close to Lancelot if you want to get all technical um <laughs> and and he um and he basically says Merlin and you're here and then all of a sudden this this these a couple of knights run in um and we're left on this cliffhanger of um of oh no knights are here and they're going to kill the doctor oh no um which is you know lovely 
another Doctor in Peril cliffhanger. Woo. Um, yeah. That that's a, that's one thing. Um, this serial's cliffhangers are not paced very well at all. No, they're they're not really good. They're really uh, not good. No, no. I mean, like I understand what they're like. The the beat is fine. Mm-hmm. Like the the actual like we're gonna end on here. Like on paper, if you just wrote down, and then the knights show up and they're gonna kill them. I'm like, okay, that's fair. But then the way that it's paced in the actual episode, and I don't know if that's the script or the director's fault in this case, but either way, the pacing is way off, and it's just not an exciting cliffhanger. Yeah, it's it's weird. It feels like, like you know, watching it on DVD now, it's really you can just tell that it's going into the next moment. You know, like you're, you're mm-hmm. just ready to just okay, let's let's keep the story moving. It's not you know very like oh no, you know like yeah, which is why there's the uh, the version of the um, the uh, feature length version. Yeah, which I have. I just haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet, and I really want to because I almost watched it for this, but mm-hmm. then I thought, well, no, because we're not we're not talking about that. We're talking about the four episodes, so I ended up just doing that. But uh-huh. for for those who don't no, the the DVD has um, they did a couple stories where they do like two versions of the story. One of which is like the traditional four part blah blah blah, and then another one which is basically like if you turn this story into a movie and basically either gave it room to breathe or cut out all the extra excess parts, um, it it showed you that and they'll give you like new uh, special effects. Like I know they did the only one other the only one I've actually seen is Enlightenment, uh, which is phenomenal. Which they basically took all the really great already really awesome special effects and ideas and just made them even cooler, um, which is really, really, really excellent. Uh, so I haven't seen this one, but it's certainly on my list of ones to see. Um, mm. But but it's probably paced a little bit better. Uh, anyways, moving on. Uh, so the the knight who runs in, who's kind of evil, uh, he introduces himself as Mordred, which also another Arthurian legend thing. Um, and and he, it's fantastic. He's great. He's so so good. He's like yeah. He's he's probably the best. Like other than you know obviously McCoy and, and mm-hmm. Ace. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably and the Brigadier obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's he's probably my favorite part of this. Yeah, he's he's so he's, he's so really, like really smarmy, good. but and kind of a jerk, but but really. But then he's sniveling with his mom. And, yeah, like, it's just he's a total mama's wonderful. boy, like total total yeah. mama's boy. Well, and um, he's supposed to be. I mean, Mordred is that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so it's just it's it's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like a I'd actually say child. one of the weak points of this is Morgane. Yeah, I, I would kind of. I wouldn't. Eh. I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, she's not. She's not. She does the job, but you can tell she's. She's not really. Um. Uh, you know, it's not her best work. I don't think they could have probably done a little bit better. I personally think mm-hmm. that the imposter brigadier is like she. I mean, I know we talked a couple weeks ago about like the acting on Doctor Who, but man, the acting in this show, specifically with her, is it's 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 rough. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's really not good. She's not very strong. Um, <laughs> she has one emotion, yeah, and she just kind of works with that for <laughs> for an hour and a half. She has one emotion, and that emotion is the number seven. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it if you watch it, it'll make sense, I'm sure, uh, or not. Don't don't hold me to it. Um, so uh, so <laughs> basically, um, the Mordred and, La- and Anselin are about to start like a throwdown, like an old like an old school like throwdown with swords and stuff. But um, uh, the Doctor steps in and is like, "Hey, what's going on?" And Mordred's like, "Oh crap, it's Merlin!" Uh, and and Mom bound you to the ice caves, and and you could never get away. And and the Doctor's like, "Well, nothing can stop me because I'm really good at time or something," which is really kind of epic. Um, and then Morgane shows like shows up in a vision to uh, her son and basically calls him away. So Mordred runs off like a little ninny. <laughs> and there's also this really interesting thing that I didn't I almost forgot to mention, but um, 
we already said early on that this is this story involves the doctor doing stuff that he hasn't done yet, which is really excellent. Um, mm-hmm. And Anselin has this really great line when he first meets the doctor, and he says, "I don't recognize you, but I do," which means that the doctor in a future incarnation did all the stuff that these guys are talking about, which the doctor later references in this episode, which I think is just brilliant. Like imagining even someone like even like you could do it now like even matt smith coming in and doing like being merlin which would just be phenomenal like oh my god i know right how good would that be like Uh, (laughs) so good i would uh, and like the best part is like this totally has set up for like a, a really great sort of sequel in any medium i would love to read that if anyone knows of the sequel actually happening uh tell me about it and i'll go watch it and give a review right here on the show. Um, <laughs> it's, oh God, I want, Matt, Matt Smith is Merlin would just be. It would be great. It would be so oh, good. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, when we were talking about this online, like mm-hmm. that would just, it would be a great, almost like a sister season yeah. to, uh, to Pertwee's uh, Earthbound yeah. uh, episodes is mm-hmm. to have like a season where, um, you know, the doctor is, is stuck in, the dark ages and he becomes merlin like yeah. that would be so good yeah it would be, like not just not just the dark ages though like dark ages also parallel universe because that's kind of where the story is is that the arthurian legend happens in a parallel universe and it just kind of bleeds over to now which would be just mm-hmm. oh like that's that's a total like especially now that they're doing shorter seasons like they could totally do like a six episode arc that just takes place in either or and then maybe the future as they wrap up everything from this story which would be really cool um because so awesome because everyone like no one in the story actually gets wrapped up like morgan literally just kind of walks away which is really mm-hmm. kind of interesting so like it's totally ripe for more story exploration how far is too far i don't know i leave that to people who are telling the story um not not too much it's good for like a good one at it you know just saying the doctor's merlin let's see what that means um which, which is funny because you know that like of arthurian legend if he was going to be anyone he would have to be merlin in in the best of ways um, yeah, well, and and you can you could easily, um, you know, you could easily just have him come in and out mm-hmm. of it, you yeah. know, because you know he doesn't he doesn't have to he doesn't have to necessarily be stuck there, you know, he has an adventure, he leaves, he comes back. Mm-hmm. It could be like um, the parallel universe in Deep Space Nine, where they would just kind of go there once a season, you know. Yeah, which is but it definitely it definitely adds to the fact of like like River saying, like, I hate fictional characters because mm-hmm. they all end up being him or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is really, really great. Yeah. Um, okay. So basically we get this really great shot of the imposter brigadier running out and just like snapping a clip into her gun, which was just so random. Like she's just kind of walking for like, you know, 20 paces and then just like snaps a clip into her gun, which was so weird. Like this, like it's like you totally like this chick. She can't act. It's really, really frustrating. Um, yeah. And then Anselin walks by and is just like, and it's just like, okay, where are we going? She's like, I'm not taking orders from you. And then Anselin's like, oh wait, I don't talk to peasants. And then they wrestle, which is just great. <laughs> like as as the as the doctor and 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 uh, the Asian girl and Ace yeah. walk ahead of them. And just, like, completely ignore the fact that they're going to town on each other behind them. <laughs> and, then, and then the best part about this is we cut to, like, nighttime, and then they come into the bar where everyone's hanging out, and they're just and, – and Anselin's like, she beat me. And you just get the implication that they've been wrestling for hours. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, with rounds and, and stuff. And it's, 
Yeah, and it's just and it's also really funny that it's uh, it, it's I I don't know like I just <laughs> I think it's funny that like after this point like I you get the overwhelming sense that he really dug that he that she beat him oh and yeah they're kind of got like a romance thing mm-hmm. going on oh yeah which is. They, weird. They, I think it's really funny that they form like a really nice double act because I will say one thing like as, as really weak as she is when she's with him it just gets really good and the way that they play off of each other is just it's just really fantastic but you're right yeah. in that it's just it's one of those things where um it's like almost like Mongo from Blazing Saddles where um he <laughs> uh, Sheriff Bart beats Mongo and then Mongo's just like I am only pawn in game of life and I'm working with you which is just great <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like that you know, where the, the big, the big, like strong guy. Um, <laughs> so, so while this is going on, Mordred find like, this is one of those weird pacing things where, you know, it was daytime and now it's nighttime. So like, this has basically been, we've been sitting around for hours with no story happening. <laughs> Mordred basically has this sword and he, um, and he, uh, and he, you know, invokes the sword and he invokes this scabbard that we saw on the wall back in part one and the scabbard flies off the wall and, uh, Mordred laughs like a crazy person, like just maniacally laughing for a really long time. And, and he's like, Morgane is coming. And then Morgane shows up, Morgane of the Fae, who basically is Morgana Le Fay. Um, and she, and she declares war on the doctor, which is really, really funny. Um, and, then, and then we get this really great part where we cut to the next day. So basically all that happened at night. And we cut to the next day where Imposter Brigadier and Anselin are lying next to each other, kind of like, you know, like their their backs are to each other, but their their heads are on each other's shoulders. And, mm-hmm. and the doctor walks in, picks up a bag, blows up the bag, and then slaps it. And then, wakes them both up and walks out and says good morning like it's just it's like he just walks out of the room saying good morning and it's yeah i i love sylvester mccoy's comedic beats mm-hmm. yeah. like it's it's the stuff like that where you're where you just realize that um sylvester mccoy is kind of on a different level than the other classic doctors. Mm-hmm. I I really think that in a lot of ways he's, he's the funniest, at least of the classic doctors. Personally, like I think yeah, his his you're right. His comedic sense of timing is just really 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 well done. Um, more so oh, yeah. more so than Tom Baker. Tom Baker dig. Um, just kidding, guys. I love Tom Baker. Um, but, just kidding, guys. No, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I'm writing an article. I'm writing an article. I'm writing an article. Um, <laughs> so you say? No, it's it's it's. I'm I'm on my third draft. It's really long. Um, so, so I, I do up. want to mention something we skipped over. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hygienic ear nets. Oh yeah, yeah. In the helicopter. <laughs> yeah, the, because <laughs> to the brigadier, just because we're in the military doesn't mean we can't be hygienic. Yeah. So. <laughs> they're these, they're the, you know the hell like the the headphone things that people wearing in the in the in the um in the military like in yeah, helicopters like they all have like like you know hair nets on them it's really like it's really hygienic like it's one of those things where it's like like you know someone up above was just like I hate earwax no one put their ears on the earmuffs you know <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you gotta love the the you gotta love Briggs napping yeah too <laughs> they're they're flying in the helicopter at night and he's just asleep. Sleep, and you're just like, oh, yeah. he's so cute. 
Uh, that's what that's what the brigadier's doing in part two. He's just flying in a helicopter. Yeah. Well, it's also really funny because like Morgane shows up with her um with her uh, knights, and they basically see this helicopter flying in because basically the brigadier had to go to get blood work done, and he had to fill out paperwork. No no rest for the unit bureaucracy. Um, and Morgane and her troops show up, and they they basically shoot down the brigadier's helicopter. And these guys like apparently unit is trained really really well not to panic because they get shot like literally shot down explosions blah 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 and the brigadier and this and the co-pilot are like we're going down and they're just kind of like jamming while they're sitting there like <laughs> no panic <laughs> just kind of sitting there just yeah <laughs> it's really really funny um so the brigadier's helicopter goes down and he um and they, and they don't panic and it crash lands and they manage to get the pilot away and the brigadier meets up with Morgane who's doing this really great sort of thing where they they I think um, Aronovich does a really good job with uh, creating a really nice character with her where she has respect and she has honor and she's honoring the dead of, excuse me, past wars um, in this graveyard that's in this town that the Brigadier lands in. Um, and she's like, she's like, we're not fighting right now, but the next time I see you, I'm going to kill you, which is like, okay, thanks. Thanks, lady. Uh. <laughs> also, Morgane's uh, curves molded armor. Mm-hmm. That's... um. That's something yes, to take it's, notice it's, of. It's special, is what it is. It's it's, it's very curvy. It has boobs. Um, um, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 weird. But I do like her crown. I think her crown is delightful. Like it's just like this giant. It's like this circlet, and it has these four crosses coming in like in like perpendicular yeah. angles to each other, which is kind of it's kind of funny. Um, yeah. So so, then the brigadier goes to the bar where the doctor and Ace have left to go to the uh, archaeological dig site. Um, and the brigadier shows up at the bar and he meets up with the Asian companion and he's like, he's like, I'm commandeering this vehicle. Doesn't show her any ID. Basically gets in her car and commits grand theft auto. Just, <laughs> just taking this car to this archaeological dig site, which I thought was really funny. Just cause he, and she's like, she's like, I'm not letting you go anywhere. And instead of saying, you can't come, it's too dangerous. He's just like, all right, let's go. I'm stealing your car. I guess I owe you that one. <laughs> so, so, so while this is going on, um, Ace and the Doctor arrive at this archaeological dig site, and this archaeologist is very um, uh, methodical, and he's like, we've only dug, we've been working on this for 10 years, and look how much progress we've done, and Ace is like, you guys are pathetic, you should just blow it up, and the Doctor's like, have some respect, and then um, Ace comes across this little marker, which again, really awesome, because the Doctor, um, if you think about it, the Doctor has, like, already gone through this so he set traps for himself or not set traps but like set himself little helpful reminders to get him through this thing that's already happened um which is a really nice paradox um and he looks at this little um plaque that's that they found in the ground and and this and the archaeologist is like oh, i don't know what that says and the doctor's like it says it says um open like he says dig hole here and, and he's like ace go dynamite the place which <laughs> is really great, and I think it's really one, another one of those really cool things where the Doctor is, you know, setting himself uh, markers to keep him moving along on this story to help him out, which we'll see more as we go through. Um, but mm -hmm. I just, I loved that. Where every time that the Doctor basically, because if you think about it, this is like the McCoy Doctor, which is setting himself up to play this giant game of chess, knowing all the pieces and working himself through a plan. And this is all a very specific plan. Um, that really just kind of works, especially because it's it's kind of a twist on that idea. Um, and and to that respect, actually, I would say Matt Smith is probably the closest Doctor mm -hmm. to McCoy. Yeah, um, I would you say know, that since yeah. McCoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they they do the similar things. Mm -hmm. 
Um, like I in, think uh, I think Moffat would have fit right in writing McCoy's Doctor. Oh, for sure. definitely, definitely, especially. Yeah, especially because Moffat has that really intelligent sensibility. Not like we don't need to tell Stephen Moffat that he's really smart. But um, although <laughs> saying it again wouldn't hurt. Um, he, Moffat has the, <laughs> Moffat's really really intelligent and has that way of being ahead of everyone always. Um, because mm-hmm. I just I just watched Silence of the Library again like two days ago and the amount of intelligence he put into that story is insane. And like se- like the Doctor setting a trap. F- for himself or other people or setting himself clues and time loops is, you know, you see it in Blink, you see it in Silence in the Library, not, you know, in a different way. You see it in uh, Pandorica Opens and the Big Bang um, and even Time of Angels, you know, like you see him, you see him constantly doing this sort of thing and it's really, really, really well done. Uh, uh, and you can see that going back to here where you can tell that Moffat is actually in a way pulling from McCoy and I think I, I might be misquoting here but I'm pretty sure Moffat has said that McCoy has some really cool stuff going on in there um, but, mm-hmm. so yeah you're right uh, yeah yeah. <sighs> and there's this really um, great moment where Ace blows up this um, blows up this archaeological dig and she goes in and says um, and, and uh, she basically asks the doctor are you Merlin and he says no uh, which is a really nice twist where you kind of expect him to say yes but he says no and you're like oh well that's the answer to the question he's like no but I could be in a future time or even in the past which is a really fantastic sort of um, statement where like you know he's having a future life but in the past you know um, which is a really great sort of thing where he's being honest and open with her for once um and so they go into this place, which is... Um, oh, What's the deal with, with Ace and, and explosives? Uh, Ace is just a pyro. Oh. <laughs> she she was always blowing stuff up. She blows up Daleks okay, in Remembrance of the Daleks. It's pretty epic. She gets a rocket launcher. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, it's, it, that's, that's, a, that's a phenomenal sequence, let's be honest. <laughs> it's one of the... Well, that's really funny. We'll talk about it later, but basically Unit has a rocket launcher, and the Doctor and Ace have to get the rocket launcher, and how they get it is phenomenal. Um, I won't say how, but you have to You have to see it. Um, but that's... that's a, yeah. Ace, is, Ace just loves blowing stuff up. That's, that's her... That's her raison d'etre I guess um, and she and he, and he wants her to become a time lord yeah yeah well you know she, he's got to break her of bad or great habits um <laughs> it's up to you um, so so um they they go into this this spaceship and um and the doors open according to like McCoy what not the McCoy the doctor will say a statement and he's like he's like open up and and the thing opens so basically McCoy can speak parcel um and <laughs> And so he, um, he, they go in and they find this sword, and um, there's this dead guy right there, and um, it like holding onto the sword, and the sword is like sticking out, and we understand that the sword is actually Excalibur, and the doctor's like, no one can pick it up, and Ace goes, hey, I can pick it up, and she just picks it up, which is um, probably my biggest problem with this is that they never touch back on this, which I think... Would yeah, be- she just hands the sword off I know, later. She, like, it's it's really pathetic, but, like, if you're gonna have Ace draw the sword, especially if you're drawing... And maybe maybe it's Aronovich's problem where he just, like, you know, wasn't, wasn't going in this direction, but, like, seriously, if you're having Ace pick up the sword, have her use the fracking sword in the best of ways, you know? Like, come on. Because that's, yeah. you know, symbolic power, and, you know, you're making a really strong companion. Just have her show up with the sword and start fighting people in this big final battle that's coming. You know, it's kind of lame. Something. Yeah. <laughs> so so she pulls out the sword, and then the, the place starts shutting down, and it gets locked in, and there's no no way out. And, um, and uh, Ace runs into this place, this dead end, and she's like, there's no way out! And then all of a sudden, the place starts filling with water, and this random green fake looking CGI snake starts coming out and attacking the doctor which is <laughs> we- weird it's 
very strange. Um, <laughs> was, was was that the master from the movie? I think that... it was. I think it was the master from the future. Um, he just managed yeah. to pop back a couple years and basically torment the doctor and then disappear. They never really <laughs> yeah. explain it. It's very strange. Headbutt him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So um, Ace is trapped and the doctor is um, is stuck uh, trying to wrestle with this snake, but he gets knocked out. And uh, that's basically where we end with Ace about to drown. Um Lovely. That's a, that's our cliffhanger, which is you know it's better than part one, but it's not you know, it ain't great. Uh, yeah. Which is okay. Which is a weird. Which is weird because Aronovich does really great cliffhangers in Remembrance of the Daleks. All those cliffhangers are actually really good. So I don't know what happened. Maybe he wrote this script first, even though it was produced second. Maybe I don't know. Well, that first one was the the Remembrance was produced like the year before, so maybe he, you know, he you'd think he'd learned by then, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. Strange. Um. <laughs> so while this is going, so we come back in part three, and the doctor manages to pick up this, this, this rock thing, which I don't really even know what this was, but it was on a control panel, so it must have been important. Um. So he picks up this rock thing, and he starts trying to like threaten the snake with it, but um, as he pulls it off, um, the water in this little tank that Ace is stuck in basically shoots out, and Ace gets sucked up into this lake. Um, and escapes out um, into the water, and there's this really great moment where Anselin and Fake Brigadier and um, and the archaeologists are there, and they're like, well, this is the lake that Arthur pulled the sword out of, and, you know, it's just a legend, and you have, again, why they didn't touch on this, I don't know, but Ace, like, comes forward with the sword, like, the sword raises out, and she becomes, you know, like, like it's so Arthurian, and they never touch on this, and it's bogus, you know? Yeah, it feels oh. like there should be something here. Yeah, they should just, you know what, you know what, here's what they should do, okay? <laughs> Alternate ending. Um, but in another story, they should go and do, um, an, like, you know, a Matt Smith doctor story and bring in Ace, because she, you know, so- Sophie Aldred's still around, and have her and have her come back and do some, like, you know, major butt-kicking, you know? Well, the only problem with that is the possibility of them finishing her story, in which case she would be a Time Lord, and in which case she would be dead. Mm-hmm. So... There's a problem with that, I guess. Well, I don't, I don't know. They could Stephen Moffat. He can explain it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he'd be able to write around. Yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> she didn't die because she's Arthurian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. She has the she has the role to fill, and more game brings her back to life. Um, but yeah, you know, just bring her back. Let, let's have let's have Ace do some really cool sword tricks with Arthurian legend. Let's let's do that. You know. Um, and so they they bring her. Um, so she brings Excalibur. Um, to the shore. Uh, meanwhile, the brigadier somehow managed to get all the way to the archaeological dig site, find the tunnel, climb into the tunnel, and step on the device that the doctor was holding, which is funny, and, and it kills the snake, and the snake, whatever that was, goes away. Uh, okay. I love the uh, I love the POV shots with the veiny eyes. Yeah, it's 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 strange. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I I. Uh, <laughs> It it doesn't even like it just like kind of like it's like a swooping camera shot just like at the doctor and it just it, whatever the snake looks the st- camera head butts him a couple of times <laughs> yeah. it's funny it's it's very violent it's very violent let's, let's be honest uh, so so while this is going on Morgane discovers that they have Excalibur and she orders her knights to go to go seize it and so she takes she and Mordred go to the pub where there's the um the bartender and his wife and oh my goodness this is funny so Mordred shows up 
<laughs> he like he wants the scabbard, so he he kind of I don't remember if he steals the scabbard, but he's like, where where am I going? And and they're like, we're not telling you anything. And he's like, I want beer. And they're like, I don't know if we want to give you beer. And so he but he gets the beer anyways. And he's kind of a jerk. And then Morgane shows up, and she's like, she's she's also kind of being kind of a jerk. And then all of a sudden she's like, I'm gonna pay the tab. Which is, which is, you know, again, honorful. Congratulations for her being, you know, pretty honorful. She's like, I'm going to pay the tab. And she touches the head, like, the, the, the forehead of this woman who works with, um, or the, hu- the husband's, uh, the bartender's wife, uh, who is blind. She touches her forehead and basically restores her sight which is like really nice go for go her for doing that and then the bartender is also a jerk and, and she's like i can see again and the bartender's like shh, 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 come here come here and it's like it's like really did you notice this yeah well and i also noticed later on where where the the soldier's helping her out and she's like i can do it and he's like you'll have to excuse my wife half an hour ago she was blind and the soldier is just like oh <laughs> and that's the that's weird. And then they move on. Yeah. And that's the end of that conversation. You think he'd be like, oh my God, my wife can see again. You know, like like praising, you know, like the magical thing that happened where her her vision was restored. No, none none of that. None of that. Just like yeah, this happens. He's like he's like half an hour ago she was blind. Half an hour ago I liked her a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is funny because they 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 insinuate that he's really not good looking like Morgan like Mordred and Morgan both say that like thank God you're blind because you can't see your filthy looking husband like uh-huh. <laughs> which is why he's a jerk <laughs> and I think he's just really put out that she can see him because he's like he's like he's like you were cool because you couldn't see me you know <laughs> kind of a downer um so um the they um. We we see um, the doctor and um, the archaeologist and the Asian companion and uh, Ace are driving along, and they basically um, come across these uh, the soldiers um, who are uh, the Morgan soldiers who are trying to recover Excalibur, and and they manage to get by. But then, then the fake brigadier, who's also still hanging out with Anselin, like literally these guys are like best friends. Like it's kind of awesome. Uh, they're like driving along in the the buggy that uh, the, the brigadier stole, and she she's like she's like can you drive? And he's like no. And she's like good. And so she opens the top because it's convertible, pulls out like a submachine gun, and just starts mowing down like soldiers, which is really really funny. Um, and like and they managed to they managed to get away and back to the bar where um, Mordred and Morgan have left. And, and um, the doctor and the doctor basically talks to the unit people, and they're like, "You have to get the archaeologist out of here. You have to get the bartender out of here. You have to get the wife out of here." And the doctor, yeah, he like Jedi mind tricks them. Yeah. What's up with that? I was like, I was like, the doctor has magic eyes that he has. Like, look at those blue eyes. They can they're magically convincing. Like it's a total master trick almost, where he's just like he's just like, "You want to go with them?" And they're like, "Yes." I do, and it's it's really really strange. I don't know what that is. I'm gonna be honest. It's weird. I I just I was I was really I was that was a head scratcher moment. Oh, it's a total head scratcher. But yeah, I don't I don't I have no idea how to explain that. I guess it's because time lords are psychics. Maybe I don't know. I don't I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But so the brigadier brags <laughs> the brigadier bra- brags about unit tech including like gold bullets for cybermen and armor piercing rounds for Daleks and silver bullets for 
werewolves, I guess. And he pulls out. He's like, he's like, oh, and by the way, we brought we brought something out of storage for you, which we've had. And he reveals Bessie, which was awesome. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, continuity callbacks only work if um, people who know what they are uh, know what they are. If you do, like, if you don't know, like, it doesn't have to get. You don't have to. It doesn't have to bother you. Like this is totally like all you have to understand is that um, the doctor used to work with Unit and he had this car. But like seeing Bessie again was just epic. Like I just I loved seeing Bessie again in this, especially because it was such a nice surprise. Um, yeah, definitely. And they managed to get John Pertwee to let it out of storage, I guess. Um, so so um, and we, we then get the doctor about to drive off in Bessie, and he hands. Um, Ace this magic piece of chalk and he says if there's any sign of trouble draw a, draw a circle and stay in the line stay in the circle and you will be protected which is you know really nice because uh, I guess the doctor manages to have magic chalk all the time which is you know I, I guess that makes sense um and it, <laughs> well he's got you know magic eyes yeah so. <laughs> he, he conjured them with his eyes is what he did uh, <laughs> and he's like it, you know it just furthers the whole like the doctor's Merlin thing that's going on which is it, it it's really nice you know like if, if you have the doctor being Merlin fine have a little bit of grounding and scientificness but at the same time like if you want to just make him do magic I'm okay with that you know <laughs> stuff that just doesn't make any sense okay he's Merlin whatever um so, uh, the doctor and the brigadier drive off to go try and find Mordred, and Ace and uh, the Asian companion basically feel this thing that feels like an earthquake, which is we find out is a uh, Morgan summoning this this horn creature, which we'll talk about in a minute. And, and they draw a circle, and they get in the circle, and then they start fighting and like using really like really harsh language for each other. Like like Ace at one point calls the Asian chick like yellow, which is really really you know I guess I guess Asia, Ace is a closet racist. Um, but, <laughs> but... Either that, or we're jumping to conclusions conclusions, and in this script she actually meant like cowardly yeah which which comes from that uh so yeah yeah that's (laughs) learning (laughs) things about racism today on the podcast um so so, um they start fighting and it gets like again this fight gets really mean really fast they start like just making really low blows like like they they yell it they yell at um ace and say say well your your parents really sucked and ace you know ace has a really difficult family life which you you learn about later um she's like your parents suck and ace was like take that back and they almost push each other out of the circle but they realize that um that it's not really um uh it's it's a trap so they they decide to stop fighting which is you know good for them um and then they embrace and then we never see from the asian girl again (laughs) yeah she actually i think she still appears in the rest of this in part four but she's she really kind of disappears after that like it's she's She's, she's, she serves no purpose. Yeah, she's. After that. Uh, well, she ha- what, what purpose has she served so far? Let's be let's be honest. She's. Just, I don't know. She's like a best friend for Ace, I guess, which is weird because just put her with the Doctor and all will be well. Um. So, <laughs> the Doctor, uh, so Anselin and the and the Imposter Brigadier are on the battlefield, and um, Mordred and his troops start opening fire and start like fighting the unit guys who are basically trying to mow them down with guns. But these guys have armor, so they're not really super successful. Um, and in the middle of this, uh, right before, right before we're supposed to have a really great Mordred and Anselin fight, don't worry, it's coming. Um, <laughs> they have like this really great sort of like 
insult off like your mom's stupid and it's like arthur was a lame king you know just like really lame insults um but the doctor calls everyone off and says stop fighting stop fighting we're, we're not going to do this and Mordred basically goes aha well we're not really supposed to fight anyways because this was a distraction which is like you know if your mom has a plan you know don't 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 out the game right off the bat like <laughs> <laughs> don't tell people that it's a distraction when it's supposed to be a distraction, you know? Like, that's that's lame. <laughs> and then we get this really great cliffhanger where Morgaine shows up, and she tries to... Um, she she shows up uh, in the bar where there's the circle, and she tries to push in, but she can't do it. And Ace is like, ha 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 ha. And, and Morgaine's like, ha ha, well, I have, some, I have a surprise for you. I summoned this beast. And uh, the beast is based... She calls it the Destroyer, but we all really recognize it as the judge from Buffy, if you remember that. Yes! I know, right? It's totally the judge. Yes! It's like literally the judge, and you're just like, Ace needs rocket launcher, and this will be over. <laughs> and so we we end on this really ominous uh, image of this blue judge from Buffy, which if you haven't seen Buffy, it's the it's the blue guy that Buffy destroys with the rocket launcher. Spoiler. Um. Uh, yeah. So so that's 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 that. I guess another really that was, that was so weird. <laughs> I know. I know. The first time I saw that, I was like, that's I was just gosh. like, is, what? What? Did I fall asleep? Am I watching Buffy? I know. I know. <laughs> Except it would be like it would be like Ace, which you know it would also be kind of cool, but. Oh, yeah, it was weird. It's the judge. Weird. The destroyer. Yeah. Um, so so we come back, um, and the doctor uh, basically is really frustrated with what's going on, and he just he basically um, pulls Mordred Mordred aside. He grabs his umbrella and puts pulls the sword right next to Mordred's throat, and basically says, "Call your mom. Tell her that uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna come, I'm gonna kill you right now because I want Ace free and I'm here to protect Ace," which is you know really great sort of McCoy Ace moment. Uh, and Morgaine's like, you're not really going to do that. And he's like, you're right, I won't, which is great. But he does a really good job of like conv- being convincing for a minute. And then the Brigadier comes up and goes, but I can, and puts a gun right to Mordred's face, which is awesome. Uh, like, <laughs> just shows up. It's just, it's so great. It's totally badass. Like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that's the Brigadier for you. And, um... Briggs is BA. I, 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 he's so good. Like he is so good. I like when he walks up and puts the gun to his head. You're just like he's totally gonna do that right now. Like right now, he's gonna just blow off Mordred's head. It's gonna be great. <laughs> but he doesn't. And the war starts. And there's you know some crazy acrobatics of people flipping and and um, <laughs> people jumping around and explosions and other things. While the doctor, the brigadier, and Mordred hop back in Bessie and drive back to the bar. Um, but. <laughs> But Morgaine, uh, where Morgaine really, she can't break the circles, but the judge can, but he has this silver weakness, which is really convenient, because we mentioned silver bullets earlier. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, and so Morgaine basically invokes uh, the, the the chains around it, and basically weakens the chains enough for the judge to bring down the, the brewery, which um, the Doctor and the Brigadier Mordred don't arrive in time, and... Um, and they don't arrive in time to stop the, the explosion, and Mordred basically jumps out of the car and runs away, which was really funny. <laughs> and, and then they they go into the um, they go into the place, uh, but uh, they go into the the brewery, and um, and they're like, well, the circle worked, which is kind of nice, but but they gave the sword away, which is which is kind of a jerk move. Like they gave you the sword, why'd you have to bring down the place? Like that's kind of weird. Um, so much for honor, I guess. Um, and Morgaine gets away. Um, 
there's this really great moment again really great uh doctor ace moment where the doctor says um uh it's okay that you gave away the sword because exotic alien swords are easy to lose but aces are rare which is a gorgeous sort of moment between them where you can kind of see the relationship um very much so but the judge it turns out left behind this vortex yeah <laughs> so the doctor and um and and the brigadier basically are like okay let's go through the vortex and we'll catch up with Morgane and we'll 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 save the day and so they jump into the vortex and in order to do it it's one of those really silly things where like it's kind of like a CGI little misty like swirly glittery place and the doctor goes into the thing and just starts spinning like like uh, it was it'd be funnier if it was like a spinning on the spot thing or it'd be more believable but as it is it's like you kind of walk and then break into a spin as you walk. <laughs> And the brigadier does it too, which is was really silly. Um, and then and then Ace is like, I need the silver bullets, so she grabs the silver bullets and chases after them, also spinning through the through the little um, vortex thing. And they they arrive at the castle, and the brigadier like just opens fire on the judge, which is just kind of epic, where he just he just runs in and basically just starts shooting the judge. And sorry, I'm calling him the judge. He's really the destroyer, but it's 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 the judge. Um, so so um, the, and the judge retaliates by like throwing the brigadier out of the room, um, and you know sending him on a mind bender sort of thing. But Ace Ace arrives and knocks down Morgane, and there's this really great moment where uh, she drops the sword, and the doctor picks up and has Excalibur, and um, and he's like, okay, Morgane, what are you going to do? Who do you who do you fear more? Do you fear me, or do you fear this guy? And Morgane, because um, if she lets the, the judge out, the judge is not going to be able to stop, and nothing can stop the judge. Um, <laughs> kind of like Buffy. Um, so, um, she, uh, she, she, she decides to release the chains on the judge, and uh, <laughs> The chains that are binding him break, and and he starts stripping off his clothes, which is uh, weird. Um, <laughs> and Mordred and Morgane uh, teleport away, and um, the Doctor and the Brigadier and Ace run out of the castle because they're really, you know, they they have to get away from the Judge who's trying to kill them. And um, the Doctor discovers that Ace has silver bullets, and the Doctor has a gun, and the Brig has a gun, so he grabs the bullets and the gun. And he's like, and he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take him out. And the Brigadier's like, not this time, Doctor. And he like karate chops the Doctor and basically runs for it, which is great. And he <laughs> runs into the room with the judge and the judge is like you're a pit you're a pitiful human and the brigadier basically says get off my world which is awesome <laughs> and, and um and he shoots the and he shoots the um the, the judge in the chest with the silver bullets there's an explosion um and the doctor and ace are scared for the brigadier but it turns out he's alive he's like dude i got out of there before it was too delayed which is why the brigadier is awesome um, Although he wasn't supposed to yeah, originally. Yeah. Well, yeah, he wasn't. They've been. Tr- truth is, they've been trying to kill off the brigadier since like the since like Tom Baker, where like he was supposed to die in Terror of the Zygons, but they couldn't make it work. So he's like the character who will not die, kind of like proto Jack Harkness. Um, but <laughs> thank God, because I would be so mad if the brigadier died in this story. I would be really upset, and mm. I would be very sad. Um, I think. I think that Jack should somehow be related to the Brigadier. Hmm. I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that at all. <laughs> maybe a grandson, perhaps? Maybe. Well, Jack comes from the future, so like maybe it's like really distant relatives. Maybe. Then, why not? Yeah, <laughs> really I, see, awesome. I see. I see. We should go with that. 
Uh-huh. I think we should just start making that assumption. Yeah, okay. So so the Jack and the Brigadier are really, really, really related. Like, very far, <laughs> far away. Like, generations, generations, generations. Um, awesome. Good. Okay. <laughs> so, so they go back to... So they race back to the... Um, to the to the unit uh, camp where Morgane basically for some reason they have like this nuclear bomb at the um, at the, <laughs> the unit camp and Morgane basically kidnaps the imposter brigadier and um, makes her activate this nuke and um, <laughs> so so they have only a small amount of time before this nuke's gonna go off. Meanwhile meanwhile the Doctor Ace the brigadier and Anselin go back into the spaceship and replace the sword. Um, in Excalibur, because um, they're gonna they're plan or in they place Excalibur in the slot that it was in in the spaceship, and they remove the head of this body that's been near it, which we've known as Lancelot. But the body's turned to dust, and inside the helmet is this note from the Doctor from the future, where he's just like where he's just like Arthur's really dead. All else propaganda. Love the Doctor, which is a great note. Uh, <laughs> and then and then and then he says. And then the doctor's like, well, that's a note for me from the future, so that's really awesome. And Ace is like, Ace, is, who's reading the note, basically says, P.S. Morgane and Mordred just activated a nuclear explosion. You should go stop her. And the doctor's like, well, crap. Um, which is <laughs> great. Um, so, so they, um, so they race back to the, um, to the, um, to the unit camp and Anselin and Mordred start their fight. The doctor has, there's this great moment where they're like clashing swords and they pull back a bit and the doctor just walks right through, tips his hat and keeps going, which was awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and they, uh, the doctor basically meets up with Morgane and is basically like, look, what you're doing is really dishonorable. You're going to kill a bunch of kids. Think of the children. Um, and, and he's like, Arthur's dead. He, he died a long time ago. Morgane's really, really upset. And so then, um, he basically convinces her to stop the countdown, which is which is lovely. It's a really nice sort of battle of the wits sort of thing. And then Morgane disappears. We never see her again. Uh, the Doctor, Anselin and Mordred fight, and Anselin goes down, but Mordred's about to do the killing blow, but the Doctor stops him, and the day is saved. So everyone's, everyone's saved, and Ace and a couple of women drive off in Bessie, which I don't I don't know if John Pertwee would approve of that, but uh, they, they basically do that, and there's this really great thing where Ace has driving goggles, and the Brigadier's like, I'm retired, and uh, that's 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 it. So there you go. That's that's Battlefield, kids. Yep. Quite. Pretty epic, dude. Epic. Yep. I loved it. <laughs> I I definitely loved it. I know um, you said... I can't wait to get more, more Sylvester McCoy. Oh, yeah. Really good stuff from him coming. Uh, some I've only actually seen about half of him, but m- all of what I've seen minus Time of the Ronnie is actually pretty good. Um, Excellent. Ghost Light, in, in particular, I think it's just Ghost Light is brilliant. Um, so, yeah, there's Ghost Light. Um, that's, <laughs> that one's also coming up in a very long time. Um, you said... Uh, I just wanted to ask this on, on air, but you said um, while we were talking that um, after Caves, this is your favorite of the classic series. Is it still? Of the classic? Yeah. Yeah, after Caves, yeah. Right on, right on. That's high so praise, far. kids. That's high praise. More than so Genesis, far. huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because wow. cause Genesis is boring at par- parts. Really? Yeah, huh. I think so. Oh, you might need to watch it again. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I've, heard that, I've already watched it twice. I um, know. No, every time you watch it, it just gets better. Trust me. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's it's still good, but it's still like six episodes, and it's... True, true, true. Yeah. I get so, that. I get that. I really like this a lot. It's, it's so. good. I'm glad you enjoyed it, especially coming off of last week. I knew you'd need a little reprieve. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, we got a while before we do another McCoy, don't we? 
probably a long time. There's only 12 of him. Um, if you want more, I recommend the um, audio plays from Big Finish. Um, anything... Uh, McCoy is pretty shaky in those. Um, some are good, some are bad. But the ones where he's really good are incredible. They're just really, really excellent. They've been on a real tear lately, especially in... Because uh, I'm I'm listening to him, I'm almost caught up. Um, his some of his are just excellent. They're just like this good. They have a really great master story where it's just like the doctor and the master, but it's like right before he regenerates, so it's got like a death component to it where he's like kind of given up on life. It's really 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 great. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so that's uh, that's Battlefield. Um, also want to remind you guys today that we're sponsored by DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, and anything else you can get from your local comic book shop. You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discounts up to 75% off and uh, regular discounts of 40% off, plus pre-order your collected editions and save 50%. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay $5.95 in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Next week, Doctor Who the Movie. The 1996 movie, looking forward to this one with Paul McGann. The yes. genius, genius, genius Paul McGann. Yes. So good. So um, pumped. <laughs> also, uh, this week is, uh, there's a new episode of Geekin. Uh, Geekin Extra this week will be Trailer Geek, where we watch trailers. John Pavlich will be joining Randy and I for that. Um, and uh, Movie Night at Geek Show. Last week was Breaking Upwards. This week is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, so check that out as well. Um, definitely, as long along with all of our other podcasts, those are just the ones that I'm uh, involved in. And uh, yeah, Matt, where can we find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me at uh, twitter.com/gungadin. You can also find me every week at classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com. Uh, last week we reviewed, I think it was Monster Peladon. Uh, this week, funny, funny story. I actually have my uh, my, my co-blogger Cassandra coming in and doing a story. And uh, irony of irony, she's doing Battlefield. So if you want another perspective on Battlefield, go do it. And before you say, oh, I, that was a trap to get me to read your blog, know that I picked this order out way long ago. So it's totally incidental. Um, so, but yeah, so if you want to see another perspective on ba- Battlefield show up, it'll be up uh, late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, uh, and she'll be reviewing Battlefield, uh, and we're almost, oh gosh, my blog is almost to its one-year anniversary, and March is a really great month for my blog, which I'm very excited about. Good stories. Yay! Um, Alright, and then uh, you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Corelli. You can also follow my alternate Twitter. Uh, Twitter.com slash Scott Commentary, uh, which I use, which I use to uh, I watch movies and I talk about what I'm watching. I just uh, I just twittered, um, Twitter tweeted, tweet, tweeted I don't know tweeted I just tweeted uh, or live live tweeted uh, RoboCop. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go back and, and read those tweets if you want. Um, and join me Topical. for other ones. Yes, exactly. That's what I thought. <laughs> so um, so yeah, uh, that happened and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you should go check that out. That's Scott Twitter.com slash Scott Corelli is my normal one, and then Scott Commentary is my alternate Twitter. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can uh, email the show, uh, Um You can also go to the website, geekshownardema.com, leave comments to this episode, other episodes, check out the other podcasts, articles, things like that, all the stuff we post on the site. And then, uh, yeah, go leave iTunes reviews. We haven't had any reviews from anyone about the new classic run of of, of Doctor Who. Um, yeah, we'd love some of those. Yeah, so give us Great. some reviews about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stuff. So, all right, guys, uh, we will talk to you next week with Doctor Who the movie. Yeah.
see you guys. Bye. Bye.